This episode is brought to you in part by Audible, your go-to destination for thrilling audio entertainment. Whether you're looking for a hair-raising experience to enjoy while you're on the move or eager to dive into sinister and shocking tales, Audible has an exclusive collection of thrillers from best-selling authors that will keep you on the edge of your seat. Like The Guest List by Lucy Foley. Experience stories like never before, where every chilling detail is brought to life by captivating sound design. Plus, as an Audible member, choose one title a month to make yours forever. And now, new members can try Audible free for 30 days. Just visit audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. That's audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. Welcome to CBS This Morning. We want to get right to that breaking news out of Florida. A deadly partial building collapse of a high-rise residential building overnight. Rescuers, as you take a look at these live pictures, are desperately searching for survivors right now in Surfside, Florida, that is just north of Miami Beach. Witnesses say they heard people screaming, and these aerial images show the scale of the challenge facing rescuers right now. Officials say there is still danger from falling debris, and our Manuel Bajorquez is at the scene for us. Manny, good morning to you. A uh, 12-story building, people say the whole back of it seems to have just fallen away. What else do we know? Well, Tony, good morning. A devastating morning here in Florida. No other way to put it. What is left of that condo building is right there. The collapse section is just on the other side. Here's what we know right now. There is at least one reported death, and at least nine people have been taken to hospitals. Those numbers almost certain to rise. I want you to take a look at some images. What is a map view of the condo building before the collapse and what it looks like now. It is something reminiscent of a war zone. More than 80 Miami-Dade fire search and rescue crews are on the scene, and there is a lot we have yet to learn about this disaster as they continue to search through the rubble. The building, one of these huge buildings, gone. Right here beside us, the craziest thing I've ever heard in my life. It's hard to fathom. Just after 2 a.m., this 12-floor condo building in Surfside suddenly crashing to the ground. Yeah, I thought it was like a storm or something coming in, and then uh, when the dust cleared, there was the back half of the building, or back two-thirds of the building was gone. Just north of Miami Beach, this idyllic neighborhood is now a disaster zone. A search and rescue mission has been underway for hours. And crews were seen earlier this morning recovering a young boy from the rubble. What we saw from the beginning was a huge cloud of smoke and lots of noise. Mick Balcony and his brothers live in Surfside. They were taking an early morning walk when the building collapsed. And they have friends with family members living there. We start like rushing towards that, you know, we put our shirts over our face so we don't get any like dust in our eyes and everything. And I asked a security guard from the other building and she says that she saw it collapse and she's like, yeah, they were doing construction over there. What caused the deadly accident is still unclear, but it's not the first time Surfside has seen devastation like this. In 2018, less than 10 minutes down the street, a 13-story condo collapsed during its demolition, critically injuring a construction worker who later died in the hospital. As for this morning, some residents appear to be trapped on their balconies in parts of the building that remained intact, prompting ladder rescues like this one. I've been living in Sosa the past 10 years. This is by far the most horrific thing that I've seen in my life. This is something that is absolutely 
insane. And we now have the mayor of the town of Surfside, Charles Burkett, here with us. We are so sorry for what your community is going you. through. What is the latest that you can tell us about what is known, the extent of casualties here? Uh, well, I, I do know that we transported two people to the hospital, according to my chief this morning. One has died at the hospital. Uh, we, we treated 10, and we have about 15 family units up at the community center right now. And we're making arrangements for them to find some housing, temporary housing. Any idea how many people are missing right now? Uh, well, I, I, there, there are over 100 units in that building. And, and that's, that's what is frightening us very badly right now. I mean, the, 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 the back of the building, probably a third or more, is just totally pancaked. And, you know, we've, you know, they did the, uh, they sent the dogs in. And there were there were just no hits. We had no hits on the dogs, so there were no sounds, and and the dogs did not react. So we were waiting for day. That was in the middle of the night, and we're waiting now to go back. And I think they're going to do whatever they can do to try to um, uh, find anybody that's alive. But the Miami-Dade uh, Fire Department, Miami Beach Fire Department, these guys have been incredible. They were in that building that was potentially going to collapse, looking for people in the middle of the night, which was astounding to me. I mean, they risked their lives to do that, and we owe them a great debt of, uh, of thanks. Unlike South Beach, this is a mix of retirees and families. Some people families. leave for the summer, but you're, you're convinced that these were families who actually lived well, here live full-time. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, I would say that, you know, a lot of families live there full-time. Now, of course, some come down for the season, but, uh, you know, that, that was an active, very filled-up building. It's, uh, you know, and we're all just scratching our heads, trying to imagine what in the world could have happened. An investigation clearly underway after the search and rescue mission is, is completed we're, here. We're trying to put it together. Looks like an earthquake, though. Looks like an earthquake. It looks like an earthquake. Mayor, we're so sorry for what you're going through and this community. And we'll, of course, um, keep asking you for updates as we go I'll along here. here. Thank, Thank you, you, Mayor. Thank you. Uh, so there you have the latest from the mayor there. Uh, the, the biggest fear, of course, is that this wasn't necessarily a building, as you know, in Florida, where a lot of retirees live and come for the summer, as you heard him say. They believe that it was full of families that live here full time, uh, and people are still very much processing this right now. As soon as we learn more, we'll, of course, pass it along. Manny Bajorquez, uh, those pictures really telling the story and a great interview there with the mayor of Surfside for some context. Thank you. Turning now to a new warning from the FDA about some coronavirus vaccines due to a rare possible side effect. There have now been almost 400 confirmed cases of heart inflammation among people 30 or younger after they received either the Moderna or Pfizer vaccines. Experts are still strongly recommending vaccinations for everyone 12 and up because the complications from COVID can be much more severe. Nikki Batiste is outside Mount Sinai West Hospital in New York. Nikki, what should families know about this? Jerika, good morning. Well, despite this warning from the CDC and FDA, the cases of heart inflammation are rare. Data suggests just about 12 cases per million vaccinations in young people. But one family we spoke with says it's still important to watch for symptoms. When we pulled into the emergency room, I was 
just praying because he was in such a bad state. Noah Hires went to the hospital just days after his second Pfizer dose. I woke up at 2 a.m. with chest pain. The 16-year-old said symptoms kept coming and going before he was admitted with suspected myocarditis, a type of heart inflammation that a CDC advisory panel linked with COVID vaccines. Tracking more than 1,200 cases, most were linked to Pfizer, occurred after the second dose, and were mainly in males 24 or younger. Symptoms include chest pains, heart palpitations, and shortness of breath. Still, the CDC is urging everyone to get vaccinated because risk from the coronavirus is greater. And as the Delta variant continues to drive cases, kids could be especially susceptible. There is a large group that is still unvaccinated and they are going to continue to be at risk of disease, of severe disease, of getting long COVID and all of those problems that come with it. This experience was much better than getting COVID. Noah was in the hospital for about one day and said he's felt no symptoms since leaving. I would say, please, please, please get the vaccine and, and let's put all this behind us. Noah's mom opted to have her younger son, who is 14, also get a vaccine even after Noah's experience. And again, those heart conditions are rare, and if they do occur, are usually temporary and in most cases, mild. Tony? Nikki, thank you very much. Our Dr. Tara Narula is a cardiologist at Lenox Hill Hospital Northwell Health here in New York City, and she joins us now. Dr. Narula, good morning to you. Good morning. Uh, so, so far, this has affected uh, people 30 and younger uh, who have had the Pfizer or the Moderna vaccine. Uh, what more do we know at this point? Well, Tony, we've been seeing the signal of a potential link between the mRNA vaccines, Pfizer and Moderna, and myocarditis, both here and abroad for several months. And yesterday's advisory committee really said that, yes, there is likely an association there. But as Nikki said in the piece, the risk is very small. We're talking about almost 400 confirmed cases. When you look at the characteristics of who it's affecting, it tends to be males, younger than 30, usually after the second dose of the vaccine, with symptoms occurring within about a week. Most common symptom is chest pain. Um, and we don't really understand the mechanism behind this myocarditis yet. Obviously, we're going to have to follow these patients long term. But the key point, again, that Nikki made is that acutely, the prognosis seems very good. These patients have really a mild course of illness, get discharged quickly. So the CDC says that eligible children should still get vaccinated, but parents are obviously hesitant. What would you say to those parents? Well, there's going to be a lot of conversations at doctor's offices for sure. But again, both the advisory committee yesterday and over a dozen public health organizations and society published a statement saying that at this point, the benefit still outweighs the risk. And why is that? Well, when you look at the beginning of the pandemic, we've had over 2,000 deaths in those under 30 from COVID, 4,000 cases of MIS-C. We know about post-COVID symptoms. Uh, individuals who get COVID can also develop myocarditis. So it's really key to kind of weigh that. And really, at this point, the scale tips towards the side of benefits still for those over 12. All right, the math is clear. Dr. Taryn Arula, Thank you very much. We appreciate it. Thank you. In other news, Vice President Kamala Harris plans to visit the southern border tomorrow after hearing heavy criticism from Republicans. Harris is leading the Biden administration's response to the rise in migrants seeking to enter the U.S., but so far she has not been to the border to see the current situation firsthand. Nancy Cordes is at the White House. Nancy, what can we expect from the vice president's trip? 
Well, Drika, we know that she is going to be going to El Paso tomorrow, that she'll be accompanied by the Secretary of Homeland Security, Alejandro Mayorkas, but we don't know much yet about what she's going to be doing there. The White House has not shared those details yet because this trip is just coming together. Republicans, as you mentioned, have been hammering the vice president for not going to the border sooner. She did make a trip to Guatemala and Mexico earlier this month and said there that she's focused on addressing the root causes of migration rather than making, quote, grand gestures like a photo op at the border. This announcement about her trip comes just days before former President Trump is set to visit the Texas border next week. The White House insisted to us that the timing is unrelated and that this was just the right time for her to go. This all comes as the Biden administration is forcing out the current Border Patrol chief who was appointed by former President Trump. His name is Rodney Scott. He was at the helm of the agency for less than two years. He was a vocal supporter of Mr. Trump's immigration policies, including the border wall. The Biden administration has already nominated its own pick to head the Border Patrol. He is Tucson Police Chief Chris Magnus. The deputy chief of the Border Patrol will run the agency in the meantime. And Nancy, we're also waiting on a long-delayed infrastructure deal. Where does that stand right now? Progress. We're told that uh, a meeting between the White House and senators went very well yesterday, that they made uh, a lot of progress in negotiating uh, some kind of compromise between this bipartisan plan that has put, been put forth by about 10 senators and the White House plan. One GOP senator said that they are, quote, very close, so close, in fact, that the president has now invited the senators to come meet with him here at the White House to hammer out the final details today. All right, very close in progress. Two words you don't always hear there. Uh, Nancy, thank you. A former high school cheerleader at the center of a Supreme Court ruling on free speech says she's thrilled to have won the case. Brandy Levy was suspended for her team for posting a string of curses on her Snapchat account. In an eight to one decision yesterday, the court said her school violated Levy's First Amendment rights. Jan Crawford is at the Supreme Court. Jan, what does this decision mean for students' free speech rights? Well, you know, Anthony, I mean, the question of whether schools can punish students for speech that takes place off campus, I mean, that's gotten a lot of attention in this age of social media. And the court found here that the school just went too far, but it said some off-campus speech can still be regulated. When high school student Brandy Levy found out she didn't make the varsity cheer squad, the teenager thought nothing of sharing her disappointment with some profanity on social media. Kids should be able to express themselves and they should be able to do so without being scared that the schools are going to punish them. But her Snapchat rant made its way to the cheer coach, who suspended Brandy from the junior varsity squad. Really Brandy and her father Larry sued. You know, it happened on a Saturday. That's my due process as a parent. To, to resolve a, a disciplinary incident that occurs on my time that has no bearings to the school district. The Supreme Court agreed, ruling eight to one, that Brandy's social media rant was protected by the First Amendment. When it comes to political or religious speech that occurs outside school or a school program or activity, the school will have a heavy burden to justify intervention, wrote Justice Stephen Breyer, adding that America's public schools are the nurseries of democracy. I don't think it like fully sunk in yet, 
I mean, like, it, I, I was really excited. I was, like, screaming. And I was cheering. I'm not even going to lie. In my living room when I found out. The court said there are times when schools can punish students for what they say online, like for cyberbullying, harassment, or threats, but not simply because a student's expression seems inappropriate or unpopular. It's, like, not only in favor of me, but it also is for millions of other kids because it'll also show other kids that it's okay to express themselves. Now, this was a ringing defense of the First Amendment, the most significant case dealing with student speech to be heard by the Supreme Court in more than 50 years. We are still expecting more decisions from the court this term, including uh, what could be a pretty important voting rights case. Tony? Yeah, kids should still be very careful about what they say online, but the Supreme Court very clearly sending a message that the school, anyway, shouldn't be policing it, not in this case. Uh, thank you very much, Jan. Thank you for listening to the CBS This Morning podcast. Be sure to subscribe to get daily podcast originals. You can watch the CBS This Morning broadcast Monday through Saturday from 7 a.m. to 9 a.m. on your local CBS station or live on the CBS All Access app. I'm Mo Rocca, and I'm excited to announce season four of my podcast, Mobituaries. I've got a whole new bunch of stories to share with you about the most fascinating people and things who are no longer with us. From famous figures who died on the very same day to the things I wish would die, like buffets. Listen to Mobituaries with Mo Rocca on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts.